0: guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for september 18th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots beer garden thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday nights wherever you may be man monday night raw man holy shit man Whoever was in charge tonight, they stepped into the kitchen and they cooked. It was a very good show tonight, man. Very pleased with what I saw. Uh, if Monday Night Raw was like this every week, we wouldn't have a fucking problem. We wouldn't have a problem at all. We got story. We got great in-ring action. We got progression towards fast lane. Can't complain. Can't complain. Start at the top, man. Cody Rhodes. WWE, her story, has Cody Rhodes involved with Jey Uso. Why is Jey Uso on Monday night if his family is on Friday night? Well, Jey Uso quit the bloodline. Jey Uso quit WWE. He quit the bloodline. He quit SmackDown. So, a few weeks go by... And Cody Rhodes mentions that he brings Jay Uso to Monday Night Raw and uses his political power or whatever political pull he has within the company. Now, nobody knew where this was going to go. And I certainly hope that SmackDown is compensated with somebody in exchange for Jay Uso. Otherwise, a big part of the story is not going to make much sense. But right now, WWE has, outside of the Gunther and Chad Gable chase, which I love, right now, two of the best stories in all of WWE are on Monday night. That was not something we were saying six months ago. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm even flabbergasted that I'm even saying that right now. Jay Uso on Raw... Cody brings him to Raw, and the whole story is, well, can Jay Uso be trusted? Everybody knows exactly what Jay Uso did with his time in the bloodline. Ruined Drew McIntyre from winning the world championship at Clash of the Castle. Tried to basically take out Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and eradicate them. And then obviously, you know the deal with Cody Rhodes. The bloodline walked out of WrestleMania with the WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship around Roman Reigns' shoulders, and Cody Rhodes was fucked over by all of the bloodline. And here we have Cody Rhodes basically letting his guard down and trusting Jey Uso on Monday night. But there's one little caveat here. Kevin Owens does not trust Jey Uso. Kevin Owens only trusts Jey Uso because he trusts Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn. He does not trust Jay Uso, so as far as Kevin Owens is concerned, Jay Uso needs to prove himself on Monday night. I like where this is going. A lot of people tend to think that this is a similar storyline in what's going on with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and the bloodline, or what was going on with all of those men leading into WrestleMania, but WWE is dead set on getting Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso separated so that they will have a match at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. And they're going about it right now in a very, very nice way. I like it. And this is the story that should be. It's not overly complicated as far as Jay Uso is concerned. Jimmy Uso is a different story. Jimmy Uso and whatever's going on on Friday night is very complicated. And I don't think WWE knows where they're going. But the story on Monday night You know, whether you like it or not, or have a complaint or not, it's very simple to follow. And it doesn't need much to play out on television. Jay comes over to Monday night from Friday night, where he was in the most dastardly group of the modern era in WWE. Cheating to win, using Roman's pole to win and all the things that the bloodline did. He comes over because he wants to finally stand on his own. He figures out that his family's nothing but trash. He wants to stand on his own, but when he walks on his own and tries to do it on his own, people on the other show are going to say, hey, I know what you did. What the fuck are you doing here? I don't want you here. It's a very simple story to tell. I don't know why anybody wouldn't be interested in that story or would have a problem with that story there. I think it's great. Then you add the Cody Rhodes factor into it. Obviously, everybody initially thought that Cody Rhodes bringing Jay Uso over to Monday Night Raw was going to be Cody's way in to try and get to Roman. That may very well still be the case, but Cody Rhodes has his own problems, and we don't even know if Cody's going to wrestle Roman Reigns at WrestleMania or if that's even in the cards after what we saw on Friday night with The Rock returning to WWE, at least for one night only. Everybody's talking about The Rock and the numbers that he did coming back to WWE and the fact that he may be back to wrestle Roman in Philadelphia. We don't know. But I'm enjoying where this is going. The only thing that WWE needs to do is get someone to SmackDown in exchange for Jay Uso. Who that will be, I have no idea. I hope WWE still has that On the radar, I I still hope that's in the cards as far as this story is concerned. Otherwise, it's going to be one big logic gap. And I do appreciate the fact, you know, here's another thing for you. The WWE, how many times have they done switching brands with somebody or, or several people? And there's no explanation as to why there was a switch. Why this person was on one show and now miraculously all of a sudden they're on another show. How many times has that happened? I can't even begin to tell you how many times I fucking called that shit out. It never made any sense. And it was very aggravating that WWE just went about it as if there wasn't a fucking brand split. Yet here we have them explaining what is going on. And with Jey Uso on Raw, people are upset about it. And they even mentioned that there will be a trade that will upset a lot of the locker room. Whoever that may be, we don't know. But at least they are giving you a story about this guy coming over from that show and going to this show, and there's an explanation. It might not be the best explanation possible. We'll go over Cody's explanation. It was a little laughable. It made him look like a fucking geek, honestly. But at least there is explanation. Normally, we don't get that. It's too difficult for them to do. I don't give a shit about explanation. Why is the most important question in anything you do. Why? Why are they doing this? Why is Jay Uso on Raw? Why did Cody use his political power to move Jay Uso from Friday to Monday? Why? We got an explanation. Love it. Let's see where this goes. I'm enjoying it. The other interesting thing on Monday night was the continued slow burn of Drew McIntyre from Baby Face to Heel, man. I don't know what you guys were thinking about the ending of the show. Drew McIntyre wrestled Jay Uso. Drew McIntyre got a very emphatic win after Jay Uso basically said, Fuck you, to the judgment day. He used that distraction to claymore kick Jay Uso. One, two, three. And Drew McIntyre secures victory in the main event of Raw tonight. Judgment Day attacked him three-on-one. Drew McIntyre looked back. He thought. He walked away. He looked back some more. Thought about it. Judgment Day saw him looking. And out comes Cody Rhodes. Drew McIntyre did nothing. Drew McIntyre did nothing to save Jey Uso. That was a very interesting little ending to Monday Night Raw. Now, I don't know what you guys were thinking, but in the back of my mind, I'm hoping, man, oh, man, I hope Drew McIntyre turns heel. Man, oh, man, I hope Drew McIntyre goes back to the ring and delivers a Claymore kick to Cody Rhodes, solidifying his heel turn. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's, in fact, what I wanted to have happen. We didn't get that. Hopefully WWE is building towards that because, I mean, holy shit. Does Cody Rhodes need something substantial to do on Monday Night Raw? A heel Drew McIntyre is absolutely perfect for Cody Rhodes on Monday Night to bide his time and hold him in a nice little feud for the rest of the year. I think that would be fantastic. Honestly, what that means for Survivor Series, I don't know. But I'm liking where Drew McIntyre sits right now because his I-don't-give-a-shit attitude is very entertaining to me. This is a different side of Drew McIntyre. Normally, Drew McIntyre is the hero baby face, and he's going to stand up for what's right. Drew McIntyre can't be bothered with this shit, and he doesn't give a shit anymore. I like that. After all the years of trying to do what is right, he sees Jay Uso on Monday Night Raw as wrong. He took care of Jay, and now he's going to target the man who brought Jay Uso here. Again, simple storytelling. That's all he needs to turn heel. A claymore kick to Cody Rhodes should solidify that. No question for Drew McIntyre, man. I love that. I think that's great. Jay Uso also teasing. Joining the Judgment Day. I like that as well. We all knew that wasn't going to happen. I think that would be a ridiculous creative decision. But Judgment Day is going to be involved in all this going forward. Whether it's with Jay Uso, Cody Rhodes, the Bloodline, the new Hurt Business. I don't know what's going on with all these different factions. I don't know how they're going to all be intertwined together. I don't know if there's going to be a two-team War Games match. I don't know if there's going to be a three-team War Games match, which we did see... In NXT at one point. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see where all this kind of comes together. But using the Judgment Day. The reason why WWE is using the Judgment Day on Monday, on Tuesday, on Friday. It's because they are the most solid act right now. They are the most complete act in WWE. And they want to ride that wave of momentum on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Friday. That's why they took the titles off of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. It gives WWE more on Friday in relation to the Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley, Dominic, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest. So that was one of the things that they decided upon moving forward with the Judgment Day. I didn't really want to see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn lose those tag team titles. But I do think that was probably the best decision at this current time. Because right now, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are intertwined in saving Jey Uso and bringing Jey Uso to a point on the show where he is to be trusted. So they gave up the tag team championships for Jey Uso, and now they're moving on to that story. We'll see what happens, but I'm enjoying the little simplistic storytelling that Monday Night Raw is providing on this show. The other thing that I really liked on tonight's show was Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins, man. Very good match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Ricochet. Shinsuke Nakamura as a heel got disqualified. And the mind games continue as Rollins is now just burning with anger. And Nakamura is sitting back waiting to pick apart Rollins. Knowing that he's angered him so much. And gotten underneath his skin so much. That he's just going to choose the right time, the right place. And possibly the right stipulation to end Rollins' title reign. But now, as what we saw on Monday, it doesn't look like it's just going to be Rollins and Nakamura. It looks like Ricochet is going to be involved as well with whatever is going on with Rollins and Nakamura. There is a reason for that. I don't know if it's the reason from WWE's perspective, but I'm going to give you the fans' perspective Tonight, on why I think Ricochet is going to be involved going into Fastlane. And instead of Rollins and Nakamura, we're going to get Rollins, Nakamura, and Ricochet going into the Fastlane pay-per-view. And if it's not that, maybe Rollins beats Nakamura again. I don't know what that would accomplish. And then we get Rollins and Ricochet going into Saudi. But again, what is that going to accomplish? I mean... You might as well just put all three of these guys together in a match at first lane, call it a triple threat match, call it a day, and then save Shinsuke Nakamura and this decent heel run that he's on. This is basically a new chapter for Shinsuke Nakamura. If you put him in a match with Rollins already, he's lost. And then a second match with Rollins, what do you think is going to happen? The outcome is not going to be any different than what we saw at Payback. Nakamura is going to lose. So what happens to Nakamura after that? You need to keep Nakamura strong. And by adding Ricochet, that's how you do that. Gunther, he's got a nice little list of opponents lined up for him. Chad Gable is obviously the man still to take the title from Gunther. But we got Bronson Reed throwing his name into the hat. We got Tommaso Ciampa throwing his name into the hat. Loving what's going on right there with Gunther and the Intercontinental Championship. Kofi Kingston and Ivar had a fantastic television match. I don't know where the fuck that came from, but my God, man, why was that match so good? And why was Utah so into Kofi Kingston and Ivar? We got news on Matt Riddle. We got news on Rhea Ripley and why she wasn't on the show. And we got news on some of the changes that WWE made to tonight's show and we're going to go over all of that right here on OTS. I want to thank you guys for joining me here on your Monday nights, man. Let me tweet this out. I forgot to tweet the stream out. Let's get this uh Let's get this on Twitter, man. I didn't send out my usual tweet that I was live. Let's do that. Make sure you guys follow me on social media. At J.D. from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Make sure you guys hit the thumbs up down below as well. We're looking for over 1,000 likes if possible. We're already halfway there. So if you guys can hit that thumbs up for me, I would really, really appreciate it. We are very close, man, to 149,000 subscribers. We are on the road to 150,000 subscribers, man, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. So if you guys want to help me out, man, spread the word, spread the word, whether it's on social media, on YouTube, on some Facebook group, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, man, help out the podcast and let's get to 150,000 subscribers. Go check out all the other videos on the channel. There is plenty of content for you guys To get lost in, I will be back with some more extras during the week. Tomorrow night, we'll be live with episode 14 of Tuesday Night Titans, Andrew Baydala and myself, the hottest new duo in the IWC, man. You guys aren't watching what we do on Tuesday nights. It's one of the best pro wrestling discussion shows in the entire community. And I mean that wholeheartedly. And we may have some breaking news tomorrow, man. So uh, you're going to have to tune on in to what we do on Tuesday night, Titans. Make sure you guys get those super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show as always in what I like to call last call. Memberships are open, get them on in. Always looking to add new members to the channel, VIPs to the OTS venue. And tonight's show is sponsored by my new friends over at Gadget. Discovery Club I got a box of goodies here, man. I don't know what the hell's in it, but we're going to un- we're going to unbox this thing. We're going to open this thing live on the stream tonight. And if you guys want to check out Gadget Discovery Club, man, you guys can go and do that as they have quarterly or annual plans. And when you sign up for any one of those plans, and you use the link that I provided in the live stream chat. I pinned it at the very top. Or you use my promo code JD for MenY. You're gonna save $20 off of your first plan. And I know you guys like tech, man. I love tech, man. I'm buying a camera every time it comes out. I'm buying a microphone every time it comes out, man. I got all I got all the shit that you need to make a podcast and a YouTube channel look fucking great, man. And Gadget Discovery Club, man, not only that, if you love tech, but man, Christmas is coming up, man. We're already through the month of September. We're going to blow through October and November, man. Christmas is coming up. This is going to make one hell of a gift, honestly. So we'll unbox this this bad boy a little bit later on in the show, but make sure you guys go visit Gadget Discovery Club. Link is in the live stream chat. Go and check it out, man. I'm excited to see what's in there. I really am excited to see what's in there, man. So let's... Look forward to that as we get on with the Monday Night Raw post right here on OTS. Couple pieces of news, man, before I get into the actual breakdown of the show. Two pieces of news that I want to go over here. First of all, Rhea Ripley, she was not on the show. We see Nia Jax on the show tonight. I know that didn't really uh, sit well with a lot of people. Everybody was hoping that it was a troll last week or... Some sort of mirage. Maybe she wasn't real. Maybe she was like that lady on the airplane. That motherfucker is not real! I was hoping so. I don't know. But Rhea Ripley was not at this week's Raw. Where was she? She was in Australia with Buddy Matthews. WWE will be announcing tomorrow that they will be running a major event at Optus Stadium in Perth, Australia. This would be WWE's show in Australia in four years. The first show in four years. It makes sense for Rhea Ripley to be there to do local interviews. And then obviously she's selling the attack from Nia Jax last week where it's stated that she has bruised ribs. From Nia Jax, who can see why. This is obviously big news. WWE is going to be running Perth, Australia. Don't know when we got Saudi coming up on November 4th or 5th. I forgot the date. Crown Jewel, I believe, will be the name of that show. WWE obviously has Fastlane in October. And then we have Survivor Series in Chicago, which is going to be one hell of a show. Don't know what's going to happen there. Obviously, the rumor of CM Punk is going to be accelerated as the, as we get closer to the show, being that the show is in Chicago. I don't know if WWE is going to have a show in December. Last year, they did not have a December pay-per-view. I don't know why we need a December pay-per-view. I think that would be great for WWE to not have a December pay-per-view. We go right into the Royal Rumble. WWE may actually have their show in Australia take place in February, is what I'm envisioning. And Rhea Ripley is obviously there to do some, you know, public relations for the WWE. Obviously, she's from Australia, and she's there with Buddy Matthews. I think John Cena is there as well, doing his thing for the WWE, selling their show. So those two reasons are why Rhea Ripley was not on Monday Night Raw tonight. If you saw... Another superstar not make Raw tonight after it was reported that he would be on the show. Matt Riddle was expected at WWE Raw. He was not seen backstage. Matt Riddle was expected back on Raw tonight. But uh, that obviously did not happen. It was around 4 p.m. and he still wasn't at the venue for Raw. PW Insider reported today that despite being expected back with the Raw brand after his little stunt at JFK Airport here in New York City where he was disorderly and reportedly drunk coming off of an airplane as WWE just finished their India Superstar Spectacle. Riddle is not seen or was not seen today backstage, and this was as of 4 p.m. Eastern time. Now, what this means, obviously, is anybody's guess. I don't know if he was there and just simply wasn't used, I don't know if he opted to no-show the show. I don't know what's going on. But he did not make the show. Like I said, Riddle was involved in an incident at JFK Airport just over a week ago where he claimed in an Instagram post that a Port Authority police officer sexually assaulted him. Riddle later deleted said post. The accusation led to the Port Authority to conduct an investigation. And TMZ reported that Port Authority were shocked by Riddle's claim. The police say that they were called about a disorderly person getting off a plane and that it was Matt Riddle. He then tried to use his WWE superstar status to try and weasel himself out of the situation. TMZ noted, per sources, that Riddle also seemed apologetic after it was all over and was free to go without incident. The since-deleted Instagram post was published, after all of this went down, Riddle was not at last week's Raw. That was reportedly because of an illness. Now. I don't know. He still may be ill. I may sound okay, but I'm actually still uh, under the weather myself. I I am not fully recovered from what I was dealing with or whatever I had uh, contracted in London. So I'll be going to the doctor tomorrow. Uh, I have a, a possible ear infection. I can barely hear out of my right ear. With my headphones on, I'm hearing myself in my headphones just to make sure the sound is okay. And I only hear sound coming out of my left ear. I thought I was going deaf. It's probably an ear infection. I'll be going to the doctor. Hopefully, they take care of that tomorrow. But Riddle may may still be ill. I I, I don't know. I hope it's not anything more serious than that. I hope Riddle is not throwing his WWE career away. I hope that's not the case. Because that would be a shame. Riddle's got all the talent in the world. And it looks like Riddle, you know, potentially could be letting his demons take control again. And, And I don't want to see that happen. So, hopefully... Uh, He is back with the brand soon. He gets well soon, and he gets his career back on track. So we will see what happens with Matt Riddle, but Rhea Ripley and Matt Riddle not at the show tonight. Monday Night Raw. We're going to kick things off on Monday night with Cody Rhodes. He's the first thing that we see on the show tonight, and he was scheduled and was scheduled to take on Dominic Mysterio on Monday night. Again, I know. I know. Cody ex the fans. What do you guys want to talk about? I don't know, Cody. How about we talk about The Rock potentially taking your main event spot away at WrestleMania? I think that's a good starter, huh? I'm sure Andrew Baydala and myself will talk about that tomorrow night on TNT episode 14. He said last week he was interrupted, but he still wanted to talk about Jey Uso. Great. I want to hear you talk about Jey Uso as well. Dominic Mysterio interrupted after saying the Judgment Day is the most dominant faction in WWE. He said Rhea Ripley wasn't there this week because she was hurt by Nia Jax. He said that he will be dedicating his victory over Cody later to mommy. Cody asked the fans if they heard him. They shouted no. Cody asked him to repeat that. Dom kind of awkwardly said no, I'm not going to repeat that. Cody then repeated what Dom said instead. Cody then said it seems Dom is far more into Ripley than Ripley is into him. So Cody asked what all the mommy talk is about. And then he says that he thinks mommy, Rhea Ripley, has eyes for Cody and not so much for Dominic. So Dom said it's not like that at all. He says their family and family always has each other's backs. Then out came Damian Priest and Finn Balor. And that was the cue to get the first match started. It was Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. This barely went two minutes. Now, it's funny that this match didn't go longer. In fact, I'm glad it didn't go longer because I'm tired of seeing Cody Rhodes feud with any members of the Judgment Day. I really am. Tired of Cody feuding with Dom. Tired of Cody feuding with Finn and Damian Priest. This is now beneath Cody Rhodes. We are entering, before you know it, we'll be entering October, okay? This is when things should really start slowly developing going into October, November, December, and we start to flesh out what we're doing for WrestleMania. Now, obviously, we're not there yet, but Cody Rhodes is going to need something substantial to overcome going into the later months this year, whether that's Drew McIntyre as a heel, whether that's a returning Randy Orton as a heel on Monday night. I don't know. I don't know. But we need something bigger for Cody Rhodes because feuding with the Judgment Day and wrestling Dominic Mysterio is not doing him any good whatsoever. People are talking now about The Rock. I mean, nobody, nobody is talking about Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. After what we saw on Friday, it's all Roman Rock, Roman Rock, Roman Rock. People are now talking about Cody and potentially Roman at WrestleMania. And in every discussion, it includes Dwayne Johnson. Maybe we get Roman wrestling twice in one night. Maybe he wrestles The Rock on Saturday, beats Rock. And then Cody wrestles Roman on Sunday and beats Roman for the world championship. I don't know. I mean, I know I pitched that this year. We didn't get that. But after Rock said that the match was signed, sealed, and delivered, that we agreed to do the match, it was locked in, he said. It was locked in, but it never happened. And in that same interview, Rock said, well, it really wasn't about schedule. It wasn't about me being scared of injuring myself after I injured myself the last time I wrestled against John Cena. So what the fuck is it? Why didn't the match happen if it was locked in at the biggest WrestleMania of all time? And I explained this on Saturday when I went live for the SmackDown live stream. The reason why it didn't happen is because WWE knew then when they agreed with Dwayne to do the match against Roman in Los Angeles, they knew then that there was going to be a sale there was going to be a merger, and when the sale was going to happen. Rock claimed that he wanted to do something different that would get the fans excited. He wanted to do something revolutionary. I mean, I don't know what you want or what you expect out of this storyline. Roman, as the head of the table, the tribal chief against Dwayne Johnson is the story. This entire story over the last three years was built with you in mind. Now, all of a sudden, you want to do something so grand and so big that you're making the story seem less than. The story is yours to tell. I don't know what else you want. What do you want to have happen here? Go into WrestleMania, do your job, and put your cousin over. That's going to be a star-making moment. That's going to be history. You're going to be a part of history. And then Cody takes all that history and goes on and becomes the man that the WWE signed two years ago. Now, what are we waiting for? So Rock basically told you without telling you that the reason why the match with Roman didn't happen was because they were waiting for the merger with Endeavor. And if you don't think that's the reason, I'm going to need you to go fucking check yourself and go take a walk. You ain't getting this shit past me. The match was locked in. Now everybody's talking about Roman and Rock. Meanwhile, we got this guy standing here on Monday night wrestling Dominic fucking Mysterio. I told you that feud with Leslie's going to fucking come back and bite them in the ass. They did nothing with Cody. It's a joke. It's a joke. Does Cody feel like, does Cody look like the guy that should take the belt off of Roman right now? In comparison to Dwayne, I don't know how Cody looks at all. Nobody's talking about Cody. Dave LaGreca of Busted Open Radio lost his mind with Rock because the match didn't happen saying he disrespected wrestling. Basically, what Dwayne did was give us, here you go, I'm the guy, here's your second place guy in Cody Rhodes. I could see why LaGreca said that. I could see why LaGreca had a problem with Dwayne Johnson, and Drew and I will talk about this tomorrow. I could see why LaGreca had a problem with Dwayne telling everybody that the match was supposed to happen, but didn't. He did kind of shit on the story that Cody and Roman tried to tell going into WrestleMania. And that also may be the reason why WWE basically skimped on the story going into WrestleMania and made it not seem as substantial as it should have been. They were never going to do that in five weeks. But The Rock really didn't do them any favors mentioning all of this after the fact. And now you just made WrestleMania 40, you know, one of those situations where You know, it should be Cody. All directions point to Cody. And now everybody's talking about everybody but Cody. Kind of a fucked up situation. And we'll talk about this tomorrow night. You know, I am of the... And and listen, I'm a big Cody guy. I am. You know, I'm not really high on him right now just based off the creative that has been given to him. But the thing is... You know, if you ask me, hey, man, if you give me the pen, if you give me the pen, what am I doing at WrestleMania? I'm having Cody and Rock both wrestle Roman. This is the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania. Roman, you know, for all the fucking weeks that Roman hasn't wrestled, him wrestling on Saturday and Sunday at WrestleMania doesn't really seem that much of a fucking ask at all. I mean, we're not going to see Roman until the build-up for Saudi crown jewel on November 4th. He's got all this time off. This is like the Braves benching Ronald Acuna for the rest of the fucking year when he's chasing the MVP title in the National League. You don't do that. You don't do that. Your star player is on the bench, and now you're asking your bench players to step up in light of your star player missing. It's kind of a shitty situation. So for all the weeks that Roman has missed, him wrestling twice at WrestleMania doesn't really seem that much of an ask for WWE to Roman. That could happen. I mean, in a perfect world, that would be the situation. But if you had me book the show and I was only allowed one Roman match, I'm going with Roman and Rock. I'm going over the spec, I'm going with the spectacle over Roman and Cody. Because how many more times are you going to get this match at wrestlemania how many more times are we going to sit here and talk about it rock is in his 50s rock is only going to get older he looks tremendous but he's only going to get older he's only going to get slower and hollywood's not going to be on strike forever as soon as hollywood is no longer on strike where do you think rome where do you think uh, Ro- roman's going there too but where do you think rock is going where do you think Cena is going? They're going to say goodbye to WWE. They don't need the WWE money. They are only back because Hollywood right now is on strike. And they have nothing else better to do. Rock has XFL. Rock has Terramana, Rock has ZOA and everything else that he's involved in. But, I mean, how much of that is going to take up his time? Rock and Roman should be the priority for WWE if they are able to do it. Cody's going to have to take a back seat. Cody and the story could be told over any stretch. It doesn't need to be at this year's WrestleMania. If The Rock comes back, I'm going with that. You're going to go over you're going to go with the mega match over what right now is I would say in the fans' eyes, not really all that important right now. That's just the way you're going to go and conduct business. You're going to go with Rock and Roman over Cody and Roman. That's just me. Anyway, we got Dominic and Cody. Two minutes. Wasn't really much of a match. Dom went into his three amigos, but the second one was botched. I don't know what happened there. It was almost like he did a Pete Dunne x on the second one. I don't know what the fuck happened there. Dom threw Cody. Cody escaped the third one and hit a Cody cutter out of nowhere for the win. So we got the three amigos botch, a Cody cutter, and that was it. As Balor and Priest joined Dominic on the ring apron, they were threatening to beat up Cody Rhodes. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens charged out. Judgment Day backed away and grabbed their titles and left through the crowd. Cody's in the ring with Sammy and KO. He shook Sammy's hand. And he left the ring. KO asked to cut Cody's music. And KO said, Cody, I, I want you to come back to the ring. I-, I-, I have to ask you something, and there's something that I've been meaning to talk to you about. So we go to commercial break. We come back from commercial break. And Cody's in the ring with Owens and Zayn. Cody standing there next to Sammy and KO is sitting on the top turnbuckle. He asked Cody why he thought it was a good idea to invite Jey Uso to the locker room on Monday night. He said he's not the only one concerned, noting a lot of people in the back questioned Cody's decision. Cody said part of his job is making the fans happy. That doesn't really explain why you brought Jey Uso to Monday Night Raw, though. He asked the crowd if they liked Jey Uso. The crowd obviously cheered. Jey Uso is very over. Jay Uso feels and looks like a superstar on Monday night. Cody said Jay Uso is one of the best in the world and deserves a chance to show that he has changed. Sammy told KO listen, I always have had your back. But he and KO have given each other second chances, and he believes Jay deserves a second chance. Obviously, Sammy's going to stand up for Jay Uso. Because he was closer to Jay Uso than Kevin Owens was. KO says, I'll pretend that Jey Uso didn't ruin Sami Zayn's chances of beating Roman Reigns in Montreal for the Universal Championship. I'll pretend Cody didn't get fucked over by the bloodline at WrestleMania. Where they screwed him out of the Universal Heavyweight Championship in the main event of WrestleMania 39. When he was in the bloodline. You guys, you trust Jey Uso. I don't trust Jay Uso, but you know what? I'm going to go along with you guys because I trust you guys, but I don't trust Jay Uso. And that was basically all that was said with Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens walked away. Kevin Owens brought up some valid points. Sami Zayn and KO brought up some valid points. Everybody deserves a second chance. Is Kevin Owens going to give Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes, a problem with this over a longer stretch of time. I don't know. But after tonight, it looked like Jay Uso made his choice. Maybe that's going to sit easy with Kevin Owens moving forward. Kevin Owens may not have a problem with it. But now Drew McIntyre seemingly has a problem with it, potentially. I like this. Cody didn't really give much of an explanation. He says he's there to make the fans happy. I don't give a shit if you make me happy or not. That doesn't really explain to me why you brought Jey Uso to Monday Night Raw. Sami Zayn did more of an explanation or gave more of an explanation than Cody Rhodes did. Cody didn't do anything but act like a fucking geek. Cody came off like a fucking geek. KO asked him, why did you bring Jey Uso to Monday Night Raw? Well, I gotta give the fans what they want. I gotta make the fans happy. No, you don't. You gotta do what's right for Cody. You gotta do what's right for your book so that you can finish your story. He's over here worrying about the fucking fans. WWE clearly isn't worried about you. You're worried about Jay Uso? Sami Zayn gave a proper explanation. A simple one, but a proper one. Everybody deserves a second chance. How many times have we gone back and forth? You've done shit. I've done shit. We came together. And the reason why we came together was because you gave me a second chance. I gave you a second chance. And we did what we did. If we did not do that, we wouldn't have won the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Solid points. But Kevin Owens has every reason to be upset with Cody Rhodes and every reason to not trust Jay Uso. Simple. That nice little dose of intrigue with Kevin Owens and not knowing where he lies in this is the story here. I think this is good stuff, and it gives Monday Night Raw a nice feeling that, you know what? We got some story on this show. We got something to look forward to. We haven't had a story on Monday night to look forward to in a very long time. In a very long time. So I'm liking this simple story being played out with Kevin Owens, Cody, Sammy, and Jey Uso. Good stuff. We saw clips of Nia Jax attacking Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley last week. Michael Cole uh, then said that Rhea Ripley has bruised ribs and right now is on the DL listed as day-to-day. Great. Surprised it's only bruised ribs after what Nia Jax did to her last week on Raw. Ivar! Of the Viking Raiders. He was out there with Valhalla against Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston was out there with Xavier Woods. Now, this match was supposed to be the New Day versus the Viking Raiders in a two out of three falls match. We did not get that. I don't know why. I didn't hear a report. I didn't read a report about Eric of the Viking Raiders being injured and being... Uh, medically disqualified from competing on Raw. This is apparently one of the changes that Vince McMahon made for Monday Night Raw tonight. I guess he's not a fan of two out of three falls matches. Now, seeing that the New Day and the Viking Raiders have had banger matches before in the past, I don't know why you would expect them to not have a banger match here on Raw. I don't get it. So I was looking forward to seeing this two out of three falls match. We didn't get that. And Eric, apparently, is injured. So instead of two out of three falls, we got Kofi Kingston and Ivar. Now, again, I like the way that WWE actually, instead of just changing something without mentioning it, you know, like it would have happened in the Vince McMahon administration, you know... You get something announced, and then something happens on the show that is nowhere near what was announced, and changes are made, and you get no explanation. But last week, I saw a graphic for the Viking writers versus the New Day, and now something else has happened, and we get no explanation. We got an explanation tonight. Adam Pearce said that Eric is medically disqualified. Again, it's not something that we are normally prone to seeing on Monday night. We got an explanation as to why this match that was announced last week wasn't taking place. That's all I ask for, man. I'm a simple human being. Just give me the why as far as something being changed or why it's not happening. I don't know where these two... Got what they got, but holy shit, man, these two came to fucking work tonight. This was a banger match. This went 13 for this was easily the best fucking match of the entire night. They went 13 minutes. This had no reason being this good. I don't understand why it was so good, man. Crowd was into it. Kofi's very good. He's consistently good as Kofi Kingston. But man, oh man, we don't usually see Ivar. In a singles role, man. He's not really given much of a singles role on WWE television. He's always with his partner. But, man, did Ivar fucking kill it tonight on Raw. He was impressive tonight. So, I'll pick it up after the commercial break. Ivar was in control. He splashed Kingston outside the ring. We go to commercial break. Kingston avoided a diving splash in the ring, and came back with the splash of his zone. He goes for a cover. He gets a two. He gets right back up. He hits a cross body for a two, and then an SOS for a two. So he comes off the top rope with a cross body SOS two count. I've already ducked the trouble in paradise. Hit a double underhook sit out power bomb, which bounced Kofi right off the mat. He went for a near fall there. Got a two count. Crowd was big-time into the near-false here towards the end. Crowd was big-time into Kofi. Ivar hit a spinning leg lariat for another close two count. Ivar was going to the second rope. Valhalla was yelling from the outside, nah, that's not good enough. You got to go to the top. So Ivar goes to the top rope, and I thought he was going to miss it. I thought he was going to miss this big spot, but he comes off the top rope with a picture-perfect moonsault off the top rope, and he connects on Kofi Kingston. And my God, I thought that was the end of the match. And Kofi kicked out. At this point, crowd was going fucking crazy. Going crazy. Kingston, I don't know how he got up. He responded with a sunset flip powerbomb and a trouble in paradise for the one two, three. I, I don't know why... Whoever produced this match thought it was a good idea for Kofi Kingston to be hit by a 350-pound guy off the top rope with a moonsault and then kick out and then win with a sunset flip powerbomb and a Trouble in Paradise right after it. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? The ending was a little outlandish. I mean, it was a beautiful moonsault. It was a great spot. I love the reaction. But, I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. Kofi Kingston wins 1-2-3 with Trouble in Paradise. Best match of the night. Maybe next week, if Eric is medically cleared, maybe we'll get the two out of three falls match with the New Day and the Viking Raiders. Or maybe they'll save it for Fastlane. I have no idea. Maybe they will save it for the pay-per-view, which at this point with the matches that the Viking Raiders have turned out and the New Day is always consistent, I'd like to see it. Give them a spot. Jackie Redmond interviewed Ricochet. Apparently, Ricochet has the nickname of the highlight of the night. Ricochet warned Shinsuke Nakamura not to look past him. Nakamura made it personal by attacking him with the chair. Ricochet then said, if it's games you want to play, let's go ahead and play them. Because I'm the cheat code, and tonight it's game over. Ricochet pulling out uh, a little Triple H in his promo, huh? There you go. Nakamura. He makes his way down to the ring. He stood on the apron, and all of a sudden, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is obsessed with Shinsuke Nakamura. Adam Pearce is out there trying to reason with him. Security ran out. Rollins ran past all of them and after Nakamura, who managed to avoid him and hide behind the security, security held Rollins back as Nakamura began to taunt Rollins, knowing that Rollins wasn't going to get anywhere near Nakamura tonight with the staff separating them and keeping them apart. So we got Shinsuke Nakamura and Ricochet, like I said earlier, this one ended in a disqualification. This one... The heel got himself disqualified against the babyface. And it actually played very well into the ending of the match. I thought this was great. Nakamura was in control. Ricochet was on the defensive. He started to make a little bit of a babyface comeback. He hit a big dive. We go to commercial break. Nakamura back in control after we come back from commercial break. Ricochet fought back with a big handspring elbow And a big springboard cross body for a two count. Nakamura tried to attack Ricochet with a chair, but Ricochet ducked and hit a super kick. Ricochet then hit Nakamura with a chair for the disqualification. So, that was the big moment in the match. Chair shot, DQ, Nakamura gets himself intentionally disqualified. Ricochet argued with the referee until Nakamura kicked his ankle from behind, So at that point, Nakamura followed with a Kinshasa to the back of the head. Nakamura wrapped Ricochet's leg around the ring post and started repeatedly hitting the leg wrapped around the ring post with the steel chair. So this was very good stuff here by Nakamura. So at that point, Seth Rollins comes out to make the save. He set up for a pedigree on the chair. But Nakamura backdropped out of it and Seth crashed onto the chair. So, obviously, this is still continuing the focus on Rollins' back, which is the story of this feud. So, Nakamura rammed Rollins into the announce desk. And Nakamura, right now, really doing some decent heel work. They cut to Nakamura, who was celebrating... His attack at ringside as the medics were checking on Seth, who obviously had his back targeted by Shinsuke Nakamura, and Nakamura continuing the mind games of whatever he's got going on here with Seth Rollins. He walked up the aisleway, and he grabbed from the crowd one of those big heads. Rollins had one of them big heads in the crowd, so he grabbed something from the fans, It's Rollins' face in a big cardboard, and he's holding it up to his face, and he's taunting and mocking Rollins with this big cardboard cutout of Rollins' face. This was good stuff. This was good stuff. The disqualification made sense. You know, normally it's looked at as, all right, what what a fucking coward's way out, what a cheap way out, but it's all playing into the fact that Nakamura is playing mind games with both Rollins and Ricochet. And, he, and he's doing it, and he's doing it to perfection. And he knew by doing that, that Rollins was going to come out there and try and get to him. And then obviously the back is the problem, and he's targeting the, uh, the back of Rollins, and he doesn't want to open up about, you know, the match, when, where, how stipulation. He hasn't said a fucking word. He's done all that he could to get Rollins so angry and so upset that Rollins is now forcibly asking for a match with Nakamura, and now Nakamura has Rollins right where he wants. Last week, it was like, all right, I'll give you your fucking match. You want the match? Fine, take the match. Nakamura's like, no, I'm not taking your match. Now, at that point, it made Nakamura sound stupid. Why wouldn't you take a championship match if the champion himself is offering you a fucking rematch after he just beat you clean at the last pay-per-view? Kind of stupid. But then come this week, Rollins is so obsessed now with Nakamura and wanting to get his hands on Nakamura after Nakamura has done everything to be a bitch. That Rollins is at a point now, all right, I'm giving you whatever you want. You name it. Your place, your time, and your stipulation. So, Nakamura basically has given nothing to Rollins, and Rollins is basically in return giving anything to Nakamura that he wants. Sounds like a master plan if you're Shinsuke Nakamura, if you ask me. Now, I will say this. I don't know what WWE is doing with the inclusion of Ricochet here. Why is Ricochet involved in this Nakamura and Rollins situation? Now, like I said at the top, I'm going to give you a fan perspective. I don't know if this is WWE's way of thinking or if this is their mentality or not, but this is what I'm thinking. I have no interest, zero interest, in seeing another Rollins and Nakamura match. Nakamura lost clean, and the match itself was, honestly, they tried to make an epic match out of it. It went like 25 minutes at the last pay-per-view But it really never got going. It never really shifted into those next gears. It was kind of boring. It was a fine match. But it's nothing different. It was nothing out of the ordinary. It was nothing that really captured the excitement of what a championship match should be. So if you're asking me as a fan, do I want to see another match with Nakamura and Rollins based off what we've seen on TV building towards lane, the answer is no. I don't. I would much rather see Ricochet in that spot than Shinsuke Nakamura. It is a very difficult sell for WWE to get fans on board with seeing Nakamura be a legit challenger for the world championship after this guy has been treated like a jobber for most of his WWE run. He's done nothing substantial. WWE at no point outside one time, which was back in 2017, and maybe, maybe his feud against AJ two times, maybe, did they make Nakamura a potential world champion on the main roster. And in both opportunities, he failed. So now all of a sudden you want me to take Nakamura seriously as a world champion and someone that could beat Rollins for the world championship. Now, I don't trust WWE creative to do the right thing. You did this man dirty for how long? And now you want me to sit here and and accept Nakamura as a fucking heel because he's playing a decent heel now in 2023? Doesn't work that way. I'm not excited about what we watched at Payback. I'm not excited to see another match going into Fastlane. But if you include Ricochet, if you put Ricochet and evolve Ricochet in this thing and make it a triple threat match. Now we're talking. Cuz Ricochet right now, he is the key to prolonging Nakamura and his heel run. Because if Rollins and Nakamura go into a one-on-one match with the stipulation at Fast Lane and Rollins wins again, what does that mean for Nakamura's heel turn? What does that mean for Nakamura's character? he goes right back to being a loser. You lose two times in a row clean to Rollins, even after Rollins gives you the floor to have the match take place when you want, where you want, and even with your stipulation of choice, and you lose, might as well take Shinsuke Nakamura off of television if that is the case. Dead. Dead. Now, if you put Ricochet in there and you make it a triple threat match, not only does it make the match better, not only does it make the match more interesting, but at that point, you protect Shinsuke Nakamura because you could do a myriad of things. You could do different things to protect Nakamura and also protect Ricochet in that match as well if you want to give Ricochet the next shot at Rollins one-on-one. Which could be the case because that's the safe bet going into Saudi Arabia. If WWE needs a championship match at Crown Jewel for Rollins, it could be Rollins and Ricochet. I'm just spitballing ideas here. I don't know. But the main thing here is to protect Nakamura. I don't know how you do that if you give me a one-on-one match and he has... Every choice under the sun about what he wants out of this and then loses. It's not really a good look. So we'll see what happens there. Going into fast lane, will it be one on one? Will it be a triple threat match? We'll see what happens with Nakamura and Ricochet with Seth Rollins. Byron Saxton is backstage. He interviewed Chelsea Green, who unfortunately still has the. WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven were backstage. Green said, Zoe and Shayna aren't a real team. She said a real team results from real friendship. Piper Niven disputed that they're actually friends. Do you think we're friends now? Piper asked Chelsea Green. Green said, of course, we're besties. No, we're not. Niven asked if she even knows what country she's from. Green guessed England. No, 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 Ireland. Florida. She may live in Florida now, but she's from Scotland, Chelsea. Niven walked off. Saxton told Chelsea, Chelsea, the correct answer is Scotland. Green snapped and said, yes, Byron, I knew that. She walked off and tried to go get Piper's attention And apologize. Who cares? You know, WWE has the tag team championships and Chelsea Green apparently was quoted saying she wants to take the tag team championships to Friday. She wants to take the tag team championships to Monday. Yeah, that's great. That's great. A, who gives a shit? B, who are you going to defend them against? There are no teams in this division. You got Casey. And Katana. Or not, no, that's the same person. Kaden and Katana. I can't stand Katana Chance, man. The fucking name. Casey Cotton Zaro. Casey and Kaden. You got them. You got them. But where are they? WWE hasn't used them in weeks. There are no other teams on the main roster at all. Then you go to Friday night. There's not one fucking team on Friday night that I would even dare put in the ring And put them in a title match. It would just be a makeshift tag team. Then you go to NXT. I don't know what NXT tag teams exist on Tuesday night. But none of them are absolutely worth a fucking dime. And if there are teams, I'd be shocked. I don't know what we're doing here, man. We're playing Ring Around the Rosie with the tag team championships. So much so that Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark are the newest Experimental tag team here in WWE. And this is the match Chelsea Green and Piper Niven versus Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. Remember when geeks told me that Zoe Stark was going to be propelled to the next level and was propelled to the next level because she was paired with Trish Stratus on Monday night? Where are these people now? Where are these people now, man? When are you geeks going to understand that when I say something, it probably will result in me being correct? Zoe Stark, right? Oh, yeah, man. Zoe working with Trish was a great move. Yeah? Now she's teaming teaming with Shayna Baszler against Piper Niven and Chelsea Green for the most useless titles in the sport. Yeah, man, what a... What a what a creative move there, man. Wow. She really moved up that ladder quick, huh? Match goes four minutes, ends in a no contest because Nia Jax wanted to feast on more bodies. Nia Jax attacked Piper Niven, threw her into the ringside steps and causes a disqualification or a no contest, a DQ, whatever the case may be. Nia Jax landed a Samoan drop on Zoe Stark. Followed by a running senton, Chelsea Green stood up, Nia Jax grabbed her and threw her across the ring, and then she delivered a hip attack. Not like Tony Storm's hip attack, but uh, a hip attack nonetheless. Jax crashed into Baszler in the corner and then landed a sit-out bonsai drop in the corner. And apparently Michael Cole called that move the Annihilator. The Annihilator. Nia Jax annihilated Shayna Baszler. Jax began walking to the back, and the commentary team said no one is safe and she'll take out whoever she wants. The division is on notice. She's not like most girls. Great. Two weeks of Nia Jax on WWE. And unfortunately, it is not a mirage, it is not a dream, you guys didn't dream it, it's legit, it's real, she's here in the flesh, and we're all very sad. We're all very sad. I don't know how Nia Jax is going to make the division better, but here we are. Jackie Redmond interviewed Jay Uso backstage. She asked about what KO and Drew McIntyre had to say about him. Jay said, it's all good, Jackie. It's all good. It's all good, Uso. He said, he's got a big red target on his back. And then all of a sudden, Damian Priest walks in. Jackie left. And Priest is standing there with Jay Uso. Priest said the Judgment Day really want an Uso to join them. He said the crew was pushing for Jimmy, but he wants main event Jay. He says it's not his decision because it's not a dictatorship. He said the Judgment Day is a family. He said he has a bloodline and the blood makes them relatives, but what they have is something special beyond that. If you're willing and if you want, we can be the family you've been looking for your whole life. He then warned Jay Uso not to make them look bad, and said, you have until the end of the night to make a decision if you're with the Judgment Day or you're not. Interesting story. They want Jey Uso. Maybe Maybe they bring in Jimmy. Who knows? Maybe Jimmy joins the Judgment Day. I have no clue. I guess that's a good thing, man. The fact that we don't know where it's going. That could be a very good thing but I don't really know what's happening on the SmackDown side of things. It's easy to kind of tell what the story is on Monday night. On Friday, that's a whole new ballgame. I don't know where the fuck they're going on Friday night. So Damian Priest wants Jey Uso in the Judgment Day, and he's got till the end of the night to give us an answer. Adam Pearce, he was on the phone backstage talking about uh, what was going on with somebody. Seth was being evaluated in the trainer's room. Nia Jax is running through the women's division. And Chad Gable walked in. He asked how Seth Rollins was doing. And Adam Pierce told Chad Gable, Yeah, he's hurt. I don't know why Chad Gable gives a shit about Seth Rollins, but he's hurt. He asked Pierce that he wants another match with Gunther. What do I got to do to get another match with Gunther for the Intercontinental title? Pierce said, well, listen, you lost, so you have to earn your way back in. In walks Bronson Reed and says he should move to the back of the line. Gable said he made a career out of suplexing guys the size of Bronson Reed, so he'll make him next. So they yelled at each other. Adam Pierce booked the match. And we got Chad Gable versus Bronson Reed tonight on Monday Night Raw, which was the next match, Chad Gable versus Bronson Reed. This match went about nine minutes, and Chad Gable lost clean to Bronson Reed. Reed dominated most of this match, and after a commercial break, Gable started to make a comeback. He had a big diving headbutt for two. Bronson Reed tried to send on, but Gable got his knees up. Gable sold his knee. Obviously, they did the selling of the knee, because they were going to tease the chaos theory on Bronson Reed. He tried it, and he failed. He tried to suplex Bronson Reed, did not get him up. Reed, this was fucking crazy, man. Bronson Reed in the chaos theory, right? Chad Gable couldn't get the the German suplex on, on Bronson Reed, so he jumps on Bronson Reed's back, and Bronson Reed on... I don't know what the hell happened here, man. I don't know why this looks so bad, but it looked terrible. He, he jumped up on Bronson Reed's back and then delivered a fallaway slam, crushing Chad Gable on the way down, man. So I just envision Chad Gable on Bronson Reed's back and Bronson Reed falling straight back. Crushed this man's insides, man. I don't want to know what that man was feeling after that big splash. Unbelievable. So then after that, he moves... Chad Gable over to the corner. He goes up top, and for the first time, I think, on Monday Night Raw, Wade Barrett with the signature tsunami call on commentary, and he actually delivered the tsunami on Chad Gable, crushed him like a fucking bug. One, two, three, and Chad Gable loses clean on Monday Night Raw. Listen, man, Chad Gable's eventually going to get his championship match, but it ain't going to be easy for him. There's got to be some story there, right? You just can't have him win a match and then go right back into the, into the IC title hunt. It's going to be a little bit. They got some time to do this. They really got some time to do this. You can't have it happen immediately, right? WWE's got two pay-per-views before Survivor Series. They got Fastlane, and they got Saudi. And Gunther's going to be a part of both of those shows. So with Bronson Reed beating Gable? This is good. I think this is a good start. Chad Gable could work his way up. How we get him to work his way up, I don't know. But Bronson Reed and Gunther, man, if that's where the direction's going for one of these two pay-per-views, you have absolutely no complaints from me whatsoever. Bronson Reed versus Gunther could be a banger match. Two guys like that, man, delivering a nice 12-minute, fucking 13-minute great match on pay-per-view, I think that would be fucking awesome. Then you got the Tommaso Champa factor. He's already eyed Gunther as well. You got Gunther and Tommaso Champa. man. That smells of black and gold. I mean, you want to go and throw back to the black and gold era. There you go, right there. Champa versus Gunther? What a fucking match that would be. I even said Tommaso Ciampa would be a prime candidate to take the belt off of Gunther. Now, I don't think they're going that way, but... If we're getting a match out of it, again, you get no complaints out of me. But they're going to need to separate Gunther and Shad Gable for the time being. Now, where this match... It's going to happen. I mean, they're making a big deal. Gable's already promised. Like, I vow, I swear to God, I'm going to beat you for the title. And they brought his daughter into the situation, which Gunther is now relishing. He's like, I mean... The look and the the crying of Chad Gable's daughter brought a smile to my face. I mean, you're not as a heel, you're not gonna have that just fucking fly underneath the radar. You're not gonna, yeah, as a babyface, you're not gonna have your daughter crying front row and then not want to seek revenge and get revenge on the dastardly heel who's now relishing the fact that he put a fucking you know crying daughter in the front row, you know, having her sit there with tears running down her face because her father lost the title match. I, I mean. He's going to have to get his revenge at some point. But how do we get there? When does that happen? You know, I mentioned the Royal Rumble. It may be too far. But how about we take Chad Gable and Gunther? Give us that match. Gunther can run through Bronson Reed. Gunther can run through Tommaso Ciampa. And then right into Survivor Series. I mean, it's the perfect setting. In Chicago, a rabid wrestling city like Chicago, getting behind Chad Gable at the Survivor Series with a 30-minute Iron Man match stipulation attached to it. Survivor Series. Who will survive? I love it. I love it. I think Survivor Series is the place to do it. You got other people saying Royal Rumble, which is fine but I don't want to wait that long for a Chad Gable and Gunther match. Survivor Series seems like the perfect setting for that to happen. Or maybe we get a fatal four-way. Maybe we get Gunther versus Bronson Reed versus Chad Gable versus Tommaso Ciampa at Survivor Series. Again, I don't know. But like I said in the beginning, Gunther has no shortage of opponents for the Intercontinental Continental title. But I kind of like the whole marketing scheme behind... Survivor Series, who will survive, right? 30-minute Iron Man match. Gunther, Chad Gable, book it. Kind of like that, man. We'll see what happens. Moving on with the rest of the show. Tommaso Ciampa, speaking of which, was backstage. He talked about playing a long game and waiting for opportunities on Monday Night Raw, but after waiting, he learned... That patience is a crutch. He said, Gunther has what he wants, and he's coming for it. In typical Tommaso Ciampa fashion, he knocked over his chair, and that's the way the promo came to an end. Becky Lynch! She's got a new piece of hardware. She has a new precious, my little heart. Becky made her way out to the ring. You know, she's the new NXT Women's Champion. Great. She said becoming the NXT Women's Champion wasn't on her bingo card this year. Yeah, neither was it for anybody else, Becky. But now she is the champion. She wants to elevate it. Really now, you want to elevate the title, right? Wow, man. I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. What are we actually elevating? You know, for the fucking geeks online with short-term memory, they look at this as, uh, Oh, well, they're bringing uh, awareness to the NXT brand, J.D. <laughs> Becky Lynch is going to make the title more important, J.D. (laughs) Yeah, that may be all fine and well in your fucking sense. But the way that I look at it, she took a title off of poor Tiffany Stratton, who only held the title for two months, did jack shit with it, and now she's the NXT champion. What exactly is she going to do for that division? That's is so out of this world that Sasha Banks didn't do, that Charlotte Flair didn't do, that Rhea Ripley didn't do, that Io Shirai didn't do. How many women did they send down there in this same role? And what happened with those divisions? I'm sorry. What? Nothing? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Nothing. Nothing. Meanwhile, You got people, I'm glad I'm talking about this now because this is the first time I've talked about this. So you can clip this to your heart's content and go fucking get your uh, views and your clicks on Twitter using my fucking content. I would love it and appreciate it, man. As long as my fucking name is in your mouth, I'm all for it. This is where I talk about this shit right now and I make everybody look like a fucking idiot. How many times have we been in this same situation before? They use Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler was used to try and get Braun Breaker over on NXT. What exactly came out of that situation? Nothing. They used Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Nothing. You know what got Braun Breaker over? A simple heel turn. That's what got Braun Breaker over. He didn't need Dolph Ziggler. He didn't need to feud with Dolph Ziggler back and forth and win the NXT title on Monday Night Raw. He didn't need to do that. They put it on Dolph Ziggler because they thought it was going to be something that was going to get him to the next level. It did nothing for him. Braun Breaker is more over now than he was then because he turned heel. did Sasha Banks go down there and do the same thing with the ladies with the tag team titles? Didn't Charlotte Flair go down there? I mean, she challenged Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship going into WrestleMania 36. She was the NXT Women's Champion. What exactly did they do with Charlotte Flair as the NXT Women's Champion? They didn't do anything but bury the division. Then people are claiming, Oh, well, J.D., what about Finn Balor? They, they, they sent him down there to win the NXT, NXT Championship. but well, you know... You don't mention that. It's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. You see, Becky Lynch was never put in a situation that was similar to the situation that Finn Balor was in. Finn Balor was on the main roster, and he was basically buried by the Vince McMahon administration because he was too popular and too successful Under Triple H, he got brought to the main roster and all I remember from Balor's run was Kevin Dunn's crotch shot as Balor fucking jumped on the apron. Smiley Finn got turned into a fucking underwear Colgate toothpaste model on the main roster. What exactly did Finn, I, I'll wait. What, what exactly did Finn Balor do on the main roster that was so revolutionary, that was so great? What did he do on the main roster? Nothing. At that point, nothing. He went down to NXT to resuscitate his fucking career because they fucked him over. He didn't go down there to take spotlight away from anybody else. He played within the rules of the system. He helped others while they helped him. How is that similar to Becky Lynch? I don't think that's similar to Becky Lynch at all. Becky was never buried on the main roster. Becky is the biggest name in the women's division. She didn't need help by going down to NXT. She didn't need character development, though she could use it. She didn't need help with her promos, though she could use it. She didn't need a restart and a refresh. And here we are. People are comparing Becky and Finn Balor. It's not the same thing. It's not. This is not like a Baron Corbin or Mustafa Ali situation either. Those two guys were creatively dead on the main roster. They're down there, and they're trying to get back on track. They're feuding with younger talent. Meanwhile, you got Dominic Mysterio as well. This is another fucking talk. What is Dominic Mysterio? What has Dominic Mysterio done with the North American Championship? He's done nothing with the title. In fact, it's worse on Dominic than it was on Wesley. What has Dominic done with the North American Championship? How many, how many times has he defended that championship? Twice. He's defended it against Dragon Lee, I believe, and he's defended it against Wesley and Mustafa Ali in a triple threat match at the last pay-per-view, I believe. And every single time, Dominic wrestles, he cheats to win. So, I mean, I don't really know what he's actually doing. For the North American Championship. They put it on Dominic so that they can get the judgment day on yet a third show because they don't know how to overexpose a fucking group when they're popular. That also, by chance, brings Rhea Ripley down to NXT because Dominic and Rhea Ripley are a pair. But the title is nothing more than a prop on Dominic Mysterio. Nothing. Now he's got this title match against Dragon Lee. If Dragon Lee doesn't win the championship next week, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. But Becky Lynch beating Tiffany Stratton? Everybody's like, oh, the match was great. The match was one of the best women's matches of the year. Where? What match did you watch? I watched a basic women's television match on Tuesday night that didn't really hit at all. Tiffany Stratton's great. I've spoken highly about Tiffany Stratton since fucking day one. I said it from day one. This woman has it. The gimmick is a little cringe. I can't really stand the over accentuation of the Barbie gimmick. I wish they toned that shit down. But she's a beautiful woman who goes in there and wrestles. You don't think someone that looks like that's going to get in there and bust her fucking ass. And she does she's going to be the next moneymaker for WWE. So I don't really see how taking the title off of Tiffany Stratton and putting it on Becky Lynch for the time being, only for Tiffany to beat Becky in the end, how that's going to make Tiffany a bigger star for it. WWE did not put the title on Becky Lynch to make the women's division better. They didn't put the title on Becky Lynch to make anything better on NXT. They put the title on Becky Lynch because all they give a shit about is ratings during a contract negotiation year with NBC Universal. That is only the reason. That is it. I said it last week. What did I tell you last week? That match with Tiffany Stratton will be the determination on where Becky Lynch and her legacy lies. She will either put the young talent over and show everyone that she is truly for the division. Or she's going to take the title and show you exactly how she is just the same as Charlotte Flair. We got our answer on Tuesday. Becky's no better than Charlotte Flair. Becky holding the championship is not going to make Tiffany Stratton better. Becky holding the championship is not going to make anybody better. It's not going to make the division better. It makes Becky better, and that's it. It does nothing for anybody else. Do you want to know how they could have really enhanced everybody? If Tiffany Stratton beat Becky Lynch clean on Tuesday, that's what would have enhanced the division. That's that's what would have made a statement on last week's show. Clean. But WWE is so obsessed with putting Becky Lynch in a title match, that they can't physically do it on Monday. They can't do it on Friday because she's not a part of SmackDown. They can't do it because they're not ready for Rhea and Becky to be in a program together. So they opted to do the next best thing, and that's put her in a title program on Tuesday where it's going to be accepted by the half-witted idiots in the IWC. Oh, it's fresh. Oh, it's exciting. Oh, it's unpredictable. It's all this other bullshit. Meanwhile, all I saw was a 20-something youngster who's the future of the women's division losing to someone who went down there to take a developmental title away from a developmental division. Great. Becky Lynch showed you exactly who she is and what she is, and she doesn't give a shit about the women's revolution, nor does she give a shit about the NXT Women's Division. Now, all of this may be done on purpose. All of this may be a long drawn-out plan. Apparently, Becky Lynch is going to be doing open challenges now. This is what this is what they put the fucking NXT Women's Championship on Becky Lynch for to do open challenges against Natalia. How is that benefiting the NXT Women's Division? So many fucking idiots in this community, man, look like fucking idiots in the end because they don't know how to use their fucking brain. Oh, it's going to make the division better, man. Here we got Becky Lynch defending the NXT title against Natalia. How is that actually making the division better? Don't really understand it. But, like I said, this may be a long drawn out plan. Are we doing open challenges now? Yeah, the open challenge, like we don't see enough of them during the fucking week, right? Open challenge. There's going to be an open challenge now for the NXT Women's Championship. Who's going to come out and answer the open challenge? Who's going to come out and answer the open challenge? Everybody's going to come on out and they're going to lose. That's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next thing is oh, yeah, they were in the ring with Becky Lynch, though. They got a good showcase against Becky Lynch. Yeah, as a loser. As a loser. So they may do the open challenges. They may get people in the ring with Becky Lynch. What is it going to mean for them in the end? But a fucking loss. Or maybe all of this results in Jade Cargill coming in. Now that she's reporting to the Performance Center and Jade Cargill was taken off the AEW roster page on AEW.com. It is all now out in the open that she signed, sealed, and delivered with WWE. WWE. Could Becky Lynch be doing open challenges for the next couple of weeks, next few weeks? And then all of a sudden, out comes Jade Cargill to answer the open challenge on a Monday or a Tuesday and win the NXT Women's Championship. What a fucking mistake that would be, huh? Wow. Can you imagine that? Jade beating Becky? Do we say fuck you to AEW and fuck you to Tony Khan in the most blatant way possible it will just take their biggest fucking star in the women's division or what was their biggest star I don't even know if that's the case Britt Baker's their biggest star Jay just looks the part she's got nothing else and beats Becky Lynch that's gonna be a big fuck you right I wouldn't go that route isn't NXT doing the women's breakout tournament or the breakout tournaments again this year for the men and women? Isn't that announced? Someone someone find that out for me. Are they doing the NXT breakout tournaments again? I think that's where they're going with that, no? Why did my iPad just die? What happened? What is going on? What, you know, I don't understand these, iP- these Apple products, man. My iPad just goes into this frozen mode. I got a black screen. Now I got no fucking notes. I got no notes on the fucking show. Anyway, that's what you do with Jade Cargill. Breakout tournament. Have Jade win the breakout tournament. Have Jade win a title match and then boom, there you go. Would she be ready after winning the breakout tournament? Probably not. Probably not. I don't think she's going to be ready for another six months to a year, maybe longer than that. Everybody's already rushing her up to the main roster. Let's get Jade up to the main roster. What? as green as fucking grass is Jade Cargill. Quality over quantity. Everybody's rushing Jade Cargill to the fucking main roster. Can you take Jade Cargill right now and put her in the ring with a Bianca Belair and have a serviceable match? No. You cannot. My iPad just came back up after just going dead for fucking a minute. I don't understand it. Is Jade Cargill anywhere where she needs to be to deliver a top-tier match with Jade Car- with uh, Bianca Belair? No. Charlotte Flair? No. Rhea Ripley? No. You guys want that same Jade Cargill you got on AEW television for three years in WWE? Or do you want somebody better? I don't know. She's got to learn to sell. She's got to learn to cut a promo. She's got to learn to fucking move around the ring like a fucking general. That's what she's hopefully going to learn in NXT. Yeah, we're already booking her in a WrestleMania match with Bianca Belair. The fuck are you talking about? You want her to fail? I know I don't. I don't want to sit here and critique her fucking garbage matches every week. I want her I want her to actually be an asset to the division. Because right now, all she is is looks. She looks like a superhero. Show me that you can wrestle like one. Becky Lynch. Let's not deviate away from the true problem here. Becky Lynch. Her winning the NXT Women's Championship is a joke. It's not making the division better. And I don't really understand how anybody can go back and continue to say that when she's on Raw. Open challenges with Natalya. Six minutes. You would think that the match could have went longer, man. Natalia's gotten praise for the great work that she did in India. According to sources, according to Fightful, WWE was so pleased with Natalya and the body of work that she did while... She was in India for WWE Superstar Spectacle. Yeah, so much so that they sent her out there to lose another one. Great. Becky Lynch wins in six minutes. Natalya landed a discus clothesline. She avoided a leaping move by Becky. Becky and Natalia reverse roll-ups. Ended up with Becky rolling up Natalya for a three count. Great. The best part of the match was the pre-match promo. Natalya was out there saying that she'd like to tell her Another woman who was knocked on her ass, Rhea Ripley. I worked my ass off for this opportunity. I've been waiting after that Rhea Ripley match, after I beat the shit out of her. Been waiting for an opportunity ever since then. I got nothing. I got nothing. Becky said she's got nothing but respect for Natalia. She said she's out here meaning to give open challenges to someone new and young, not someone who's been here for 15 years. Natalia then says this line, which was the best line of the entire night. Absolutely a shoot, a worked shoot. Natalia said, Yeah, I put in 50 years, 15 years of dedicating my life to this. She said, Becky went to NXT and stepped all over every one of those women who were waiting for their opportunity. You are nothing but a hypocritical ginger witch, she says. Man, oh man, did I become an Natalia fan for at least one night? Tell me where Natalia is telling lies. You can't. Can't sit there and tell me Natalia's lying. Six minutes, Becky Lynch wins. Becky Lynch winning the NXT Women's Championship is disgusting. Dominic. He's backstage with Dragon Lee and Adam Pierce. Dominic said he lost earlier because Baszler. Or not Baszler, uh, Rhea Ripley wasn't out there. She wasn't there because Pierce didn't stop Nia Jax from what she did last week. He looked at Dragon Lee and said, I don't like guys with masks because they remind me of my deadbeat dad. Lee said he's going to beat Dom next week and he wondered what Ripley will see in him when he's no longer champion. So, we're doing NXT business next week on Monday, and hopefully, Dragon Lee takes the title back to NXT. And, and here's another thing with this Jake Cargill situation. Here's another thing with this Jake Cargill situation for all the fucking geeks out there. Oh, well, Jade needs to go to the main roster, man. Really? I- I'm sorry. When did Jade Cargill become better than Dragon Lee, where Dragon Lee gets to go to NXT, but Jade Gar- Cargill gets to skip NXT? How do you people fucking dwell on social media and interact with these people? I don't, I don't know. Jade, you want Jade Cargill to come right to the main roster, but you got someone who is phenomenal in Dragon Lee serving his time down there. I'll never forget AJ Styles when he first made his WWE debut. He, he said, then, maybe I should go down to NXT for at least six months to learn the ropes about what WWE really is. If AJ Styles wanted to go to NXT to hone his craft with the WWE product, what makes you think Jade Carg- Cargill is ready for the, for the main roster? I mean, I, I, I don't understand you people. Fucking ridiculous. Tommaso Ciampa, he went one-on-one with Giovanni Vinci, man. What a crime. Imagine Tommaso Ciampa and Giovanni Vinci getting three minutes on Monday Night Raw. What? Tell me the part of the show that Vince McMahon had a hand in. These two guys are going three minutes, pal. Sure thing, Vince. Tommaso Ciampa wins with a Sicilian stretch. It's basically all that happened here. Don't even know how to describe what happened in this match. Three minutes. On what planet do you put these two guys in the ring and have them go three minutes? Two of the best pro wrestlers, maybe in the world, and they go three minutes. Byron Saxon he approached Seth Rollins in the back, who was wearing some goofy looking glasses. He asked Seth how he was doing. Seth said he was tired and in a lot of pain, trying to keep it together, but I'm losing my mind. He said he'll do whatever it takes to get that son of a bitch in the ring, meaning Nakamura. He said, Nakamura wants to do things on his own terms, so maybe he's been going about it all wrong. He told Nakamura to name the time and place. And even the stipulations if you want. He said their destinies are very intertwined at this point. He asked if he'll be the one to define a legacy or will it be him. He's got Nakamura dancing in his head. It's Nakamura's plan all along. Main event. Drew McIntyre versus main events. Jay Uso. This was not bad. Good stuff here. McIntyre, he was in control of Jay Uso after a superplex. We go to a commercial break. They got to their feet. They start exchanging blows, right hands. Jay eventually transitions into a Samoan drop. He gets a two count off the Samoan drop. Jay tried for another dive, but McIntyre punched him and hit a spine buster. McIntyre sees an opening. He sees an opening for a Claymore kick. Dominic is out there. He distracted the referee, and Damian Priest grabbed McIntyre's foot. So this distraction allowed Jay to the super kick for a near fall. Judgment Day trying to enlist Jay Uso here and get Jay Uso on their side. So Jay Uso is standing there listening to Damian Priest, who's giving him some words of encouragement. He fist bumps Damian Priest and then he turns around and super kicks Damian Priest. Balor and Dom as well get super kicks off the apron from Jay Uso. Jay turned around. Obviously, he waited too long and McIntyre nailed him with a Claymore kick and that was enough for the victory. Judgment Day after the match put the boots to Jay Uso. And beat him down three-on-one. Drew had left the ring at this point. He's looking back, and he sees a three-on-one. He turned away. He walked to the back. He looked back again at the ring, contemplating, do I go save this poor schmuck, or do I just mind my own business? Damian Priest and the rest of Judgment Day saw Drew McIntyre looking, and they were getting ready to beat him down as well. Out comes Cody Rhodes to make the save. Cody ran right past Drew McIntyre, and Drew did nothing to save Jay Uso. He gave Dom a crossroads. He looked at Jay in the corner. Priest pulled Dom to safety at ringside. Cody helped Jay stand up. And Jay gave him a look of respect and nodded as the show went off the air with both Jay and Cody Rhodes in the middle of the ring. Where are we going with this, man? Where are we going with this? I don't know. I don't know. All I can think of is McIntyre turning heel here. Maybe we get McIntyre turning. I'm just spitballing. First of all, I love the fact that Drew did not go and help Jay Uso. I love that. I was hoping that he didn't. As soon as Cody walked out to save Jay Uso, I was hoping so much that Drew McIntyre would make his way back to the ring and from behind Claymore kick, Cody Rhodes, and we go off the show with a Drew McIntyre heel turn. I do hope that's still coming. In fact, I do have confidence that that moment is coming because Drew McIntyre right now, to me, is more intriguing than he's been in months. So I love this new attitude change. He does not trust Jay Uso. And the one that brought Jay Uso here in Cody Rhodes, he does not like Cody Rhodes for disrupting the locker room. I like that a lot. It's a great move if you're WWE to have them feuding. Babyface Cody and heel Drew McIntyre, that's a great way to keep Cody busy for at least a couple of months. So I was hoping that happened. We didn't get it. I don't know where we go with this Judgment Day spiel. Judgment Day clearly is Damian Priest... Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, JD McDonough, and if McIntyre turns heel, that's five right there for. uh, I'm thinking out loud for a potential war games. That's five right there, and then we got Cody, we got Sammy, we got KO, we got Jay, and maybe one other for the war game situation. Who that fifth man will be on the babyface side? I don't know, but I'm thinking about war games. War games could absolutely work if they want to do it on Monday night. Now, if they want to do what they're doing on Friday, you know, we could also potentially see war games happen between some factions on SmackDown. We could see a three teams war games, three teams war games match. We could see the bloodline. We could see judgment day. We could see the new Hurt business. So I don't know where they're going with all of this, man. It's very, you know, on one hand, it's very convoluted. But on the other hand, it's unpredictable. And unpredictable is good. You don't want to know where this is going. But I'd like to have a solid direction on where we're going. And and war games, I I have a a very good feeling that we're going to be getting war games for sure. So we'll see what happens there, man. But uh, I'm liking what's going on here. And Drew McIntyre. I can't wait to see that Claymore kick on Cody, man. I do hope that moment is definitely coming on Monday night for Mr. Drew McIntyre. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's live stream. As always, you guys are great. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button as well. Turn on the bell for notifications. We got 2,200 people in here, man. There's no reason why we should have less than 1,000 likes. None. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We will be having last call here at the Beer Garden in just a little bit. Go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. More coming this week. Plenty more coming this week. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great new friends over at Gadget Discovery Club. We're going to open this bad boy up in just a second. But what the hell is Gadget Discovery Club, man? Listen. I know everybody is getting in on the subscription services, right? I used to be... Early in my YouTube career, man, I loved doing unboxings, whether it was for uh, other wrestling crates or T-shirt crates or whatever that may be. This is right up my alley, and I know this is right up your alley, man. Tech in a monthly subscription box? You can't beat that. So what do you do? First of all, you're going to go to gadgetdiscoveryclub.com, okay? Okay. You're going to choose the quarterly or annual plan and join the club. You're going to start the excitement with your first tech box containing one to four gadgets worth over $125. Then you're going to unbox. You're going to feel that surprise. You're going to feel that excitement unboxing it. And then you're going to experience the, the great stuff that Gadget Discovery Club has thrown into this thing, man. And listen, there are box themes. There's a travel box. There's a smart home box. There's an everyday carry box. There's an entertainment box. There's a health box, an audio box, and more. And online, when you set up your account, you can cancel, you could skip boxes, and change shipment dates whenever you want. Can't beat that. You're going to go to Gadget Discovery Club, you're going to use code JD from NY at checkout. You're going to save $20 or you're going to use the link that I provided in the live stream chat and down below in the comments section and you're going to use my unique link to take you right to the website and you're going to do your deal, man. Let's Let's unbox this thing. Now, I don't know what's in here. This is the first time I'm unboxing this. man. I got this last week. I saved it specifically for the show. Let's see what we got going on in here. Wow. We got a native HQ wireless charger. Now, this is going to come in handy for me, man, because every stream I got my iPhone charging right next to me, man, My iPhone's going to be charging wirelessly next to me during every stream. That is awesome. That is awesome. Look at this. We got two mini boom wireless speakers. Now, I love my music, man. I love my music. Sometimes when I'm not in the office, I want to go sit in the kitchen. I want to go sit in the living room. I want to go sit on the back deck outside. I could take this. And take my iPad and get my notes ready for the week. I can listen to my music when I'm not sufficient, uh, you know, or in love with the sound coming from my mobile device or my iPad when I'm playing Spotify. Now I got music coming out of my speakers I can hook up to my iPad. Pretty fucking awesome, man. That is great. They look quality, too. That's some good stuff. And we got a Momo stick. I never used a Momo stick before, but it looks like it goes right on the back of my phone. Look at that. This will come in handy when I'm playing Pokemon Go on the go. Or if I just want to watch whatever I want on my, on my iPhone. Put it on the back of the iPhone and it'll just set up your iPhone as a little, uh, little stand. Listen, man. I like it. That's some good stuff. If you guys want to go get yours today, man, I tell you, man, Christmas is going to be here before you know it. Birthdays. Anniversaries. If you just want to get a gift for somebody, man, Gadget Tech Club. Gadget Discovery Club. You guys are awesome. Appreciate you very much. Make sure you use the unique link I provided in the live stream chat or use my promo code JD from NY right here. On, off, the script, man. Once again, I want to thank Gadget Discovery Club. For sponsoring today's show. Some fun stuff. Let's get into the Super Chats. Lauren. My God, Lauren. I wish you would just consolidate everything into one Super Chat. You got like eight Super Chats here. I hope Rhea destroys Naya. Did we ever find out who got traded for Jey Uso? No. I'd love to see a babyface Jade versus heel Bianca. Nobody cares for that. Rumble is in Tampa next year. I'm thinking of going. Dream match. Rock. Orton. HBK Styles. Sasha. Lita. And do you think WWE will release Matt Riddle? No. Thank you, Lauren. Michelle with a $2 super chat. What if KO turned heel at Survivor Series and joined Judgment Day? Why would Kevin Owens join Judgment Day? Kevin Owens is going to be a loner. If he's going heel, he's going to be on his own. Tony Brown with a 499. Wow. JD, long show, a little tough. Tony, it's three hours, man. But I actually enjoyed tonight's show where it didn't really feel like three hours. Nick Williams with 16 months. Drew teetering to the dark side as far as The Rock. I'm going to wait till later before I jump the gun on Rock Roman. Once Rumble season comes, we will see. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. I see the bloodline back in Cody. Not Roman at WrestleMania. Lauren with another $2 Superjack. Slow build for Drew turning heel. Yes. Beyond the Script with 199. Sammy KO versus Judgment Day next week. How many? They need to do something, man, to get the people interested. It's going to be a, a very, very tough Monday night schedule for WWE this season. Setsuka with a nine ninety nine. 99 I don't know if you caught Cody's promo with KO and Sammy. He mentioned best in the world and second chances. Shot in the dark. But what if this is leading to a War Games match with JD, Jimmy, and Drew? There's Cody, Sammy, KO, Jay, and Punk. You said it, Said, Got it. That hair, they're going to integrate CM Punk into the show? I don't know. Chris with a 999. What's up, Jay? Just wanted to tell you that me and my girl are expecting a baby. Question for you, sir. Congratulations, by the way, Chris. Would you have Roman compete in both nights at WrestleMania? Rock Night 1, Cody Night 2, World Heavyweight Title Match Night 2, double main event. Um, if I had the pen and Rock is definitely back, I do Cody and Roman on night two. I do Roman and Rock on night one. And then I put Gunther and Rollins also on night two. Chris Leon with a 15 months. Did you play the new Mortal Kombat yet? No, and I will not. Lauren with a $2 super chat. Times three. Love to see Riddle turn heel if he isn't let go. Upon Orton's return, will he be on Raw or SmackDown? And so happy Gable's getting a push. It's deserved. Uh, I do not want to see Riddle turn heel. I don't think he'd be a good heel. His charisma and his attitude doesn't really call for it and Orton I would put on I would put on whatever brand Cody is on Glizzy King with a 499 what do you think about that GTd Mustang that Ford is making for 300k uh, I don't care because I'm getting a dark horse way too much money for me Willie Teague with a $2 super chat. JD, should we be worried about our Braves? No, they lost four in a row. I don't know. They won the division. Who cares? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. They can't win a fucking game now. Jedi Joker with a $10 super chat. Going to put my tinfoil cap on here, JD, and maybe I'm off. But do you think we're getting good shows on Friday and now Monday because Endeavor said... Nah, this is how we're gonna run shit around here now. No, I don't think Endeavor has anything to do with it. I don't think Endeavor has anything to do with it. Steven with a 499. Seems like WWE never forgave Shinsuke for dropping Cena on his head back in 2017. He came in red hot. That ultimately amounted to nothing. OTS for life. He hasn't been important. He hasn't been important since NXT Fusion Fall HQ 5000 with a $2 super chat I always agree with you but tonight's show was Bad no it was not Tonight's show was not bad I don't know what show you watch But clearly it wasn't this show And Sidro Sidro with a $5 super chat times 2 When Dan Spivey lost matches by submission, it wasn't because he tapped out. It's because he was wailing Mercy. And did you hear Hulk Hogan is getting his own fishing show on the WWE Network? It's called Real American, R-E-E-L. Sidro's working, but he came back with a fucking bang, man. Two bangers. Thank you, Sidro. I always appreciate you and your sense of humor, brother. Guys, I'm getting out of here, man. I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow at 12 noon. Hopefully they can take care of my ear situation. I'll be working to give you guys the news tomorrow as well. I appreciate you guys very much for hanging out with me on this Monday Night Raw, man. Great show tonight. Appreciate you hanging out with me. As always, follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other content on the channel. And I swear to God, man, go check out Gadget Discovery Club. Seriously. GadgetDiscoveryClub.com. Use code JD from NY. Or use the link that I provided in the live stream and down in the comment section, man. Go get yourself some cool shit. I will see you tomorrow night, TNT, episode 14, with my guy, Andrew Baydala. We got news. It's going to be a good one, man. And I'll see you tomorrow afternoon with some extra right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later. (laughs)